This is Captain Blake from The Fog. We just want to give you maze a warning. Sometimes in episodes of shocking things, you might hear a little salty language. Discretion is advised. Nice rear end. I beg your pardon? Well, I mean, they don't, uh, don't make them like this anymore, huh? Oh, hmm. great body, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 50 of Shocking Things. This is the special SummerSlam edition, and we have a special guest, the Professor Rick Del Santo. How you doing, Rick? I'm great. Thank you for having me once again. It's good to be back. Uh, no, um, we haven't been on in a while, and you and I have talked about this film we're going to talk about, which is called Body Slam. And I figured, I said, I reached out to you because this is the perfect opportunity. We have... For WWE SummerSlam is coming up on July 30th. And then we also have, on July 31st, Ric Flair's last match. It's going to be, what, on Fight TV primarily, correct? Correct. I think it's And only you on are going to be covering them. And you are going to be covering both events. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a double shot for uh, uh, Ric Flair's last match. Um, going to be covering it Sunday night afterwards. And then uh, Tuesday night, uh, me and my co-host, Showtime Marcel Williams, uh, we'll be covering some, both SummerSlam and Ric Flair's last match. Yeah, so it's it's going to be crazy. It's a crazy time for wrestling right now. Uh, it's really insane, and it's not just things with like WWE. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other companies out there that are getting attention. Uh, independents are getting a lot of attention, and, and it's just an amazing time to be a fan if you're into it. Okay, so Body Slam. So this was filmed in 1986, and it was rated PG, but it didn't get released until later. Now, I have a question. Do you remember the first time you saw Body Slam? Yeah. Of, uh, of course, I was a kid, a young kid in the 80s, which uh, to me, that's the greatest era, not only in uh, life for guys of our <laughs> age, but, you know, professional wrestling as well, uh, horror movies. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure we've discussed that quite a few times here. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I came across it accidentally one day on um, HBO. Mm -hmm. And I was very excited. You know, I was a that's when I was like really, really into it. Uh, saw Roddy Piper and uh, uh, Sam Fatu, Sam, uh, what's his name, Samu. And I was just very excited. Or the Tonga kid, excuse me. Yeah. And uh, I was just very excited. I thought it was hilarious. And of course, it uh, we'll discuss how this makes wrestling okay. work. You know, yeah. So now for me, I only saw a glimpse of it back then. And that I never saw it again until I talked to you in the 90s and you brought it up. Then right. I finally, yeah, I only saw just like a little, like, you know, a segment of it. So I didn't, like, actually towards the end of the movies what I saw. So I missed a lot of it. 
and I never saw it again until I talked to you again in the 90s, and I forgot all about the movie, then I rewatched it. So that's my first experience with it. So did you, by any chance, like look and see what this movie poster looks like? Uh, I've seen the VHS cover. I think okay, the, same, not the, same far thing. off. Yeah. Okay, right. it has Dirk Benedict. It's a painting of Dirk Benedict with Tanya Roberts on it, and it has a guy destroying a Rolls Royce, but it's not a Samoan. It says the Samoans <laughs> destroying, but it says this generic guy destroying the Rolls Royce, and the character Mr. Kim holding a sign saying "Smilek owes me one hundred fifty thousand dollars," but that's an error. It's actually sixty-seven thousand eight hundred eleven dollars and nineteen cents. <laughs> So I, I have a bone to pick whoever designed this poster because why is there no Roddy Piper on this poster? Do you agree? Uh, especially at that time period, he was like white hot. Yeah, uh, when so, this was filmed, he was just coming off the Hulk Hogan feud, which made him uh, a superstar. Yeah, yeah, and he had uh, also the WrestleMania two mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty. Yep. So, mm-hmm. and then as a tagline, he's down but never out. And if you want to watch Body Slam, it's streaming right now on Tubi. And this was directed by Hal Needham. Are you familiar with Hal Needham, Rick? Yeah, he did uh, the Smoking and the Bandit films and Cannonball Run, uh, yep. such things and, like that. Yep. Yeah, Megaforce and this piece of shit movie you and I have talked about recently, <laughs> Rad. Oh, I love that movie. It, it's so bad <laughs> that it's good, but it, it's a terrible film. This you'll was, get that with, uh, was Nicole Kidman in that? No, no. I'm thinking of a different. I I can't think of her name, but she was uh, the wife of uh, John Stamos in Full House. Gotcha. Uh, I I know. Yeah, the one that just got in. Yeah, her her daughter in college. Yep. Yep, That, but but I first learned who Hal Needham was as a small child. I had an action figure of Hal Needham. He's a, he's a famous stuntman, and they actually made an action figure in this playset where he goes through this bar, they smashes through the windows, and everything. It's very interesting. So that's how I learned who this guy was. And now this is written by Shell Litton. His other credits uh, include a TV series Death Valley Days, and then Steve Burko, whose only writing credit is. All my children. So apparently, Body Slam killed the career of these two gentlemen, Rick, because we haven't heard of them <laughs> it's, since. It's such a classic. Uh, <laughs> now, when you're talking before about growing up in the 80s, if you were alive at this time period, this cast is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Dirk yeah. Benedict as M. Harry Smilak. 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 <laughs> uh, the, I mean, we know him best from Bowser Galactica, Starbuck, and the A-Team as Templeton Peck. Both were huge. I mean, the, like the biggest television shows at the time. Tiny Roberts, she was you know, fairly popular as Candace as Vandervagen. She was in the Beastmaster, Sheena, uh, James Bond film, View to a Kill, and uh, That 70s Show. Roddy Piper, like you're saying, he was quick Rick Roberts. He was probably, at the time, the number one heel in professional wrestling, would you say, in 1986 when this was filmed, right? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I mean, he was a household name. I I mean, I would argue and say he was a bigger name than Dirk Benedict and Tanya Roberts. They're getting top billing. I would say to the general public, he was actually bigger at the time. But that's you have to look at it. That's how uh, the public treated professional wrestling at the time. You're right. You know, you're I mean, they didn't, right. uh, you know, nobody got top billing over a guy, you know, and also when Dirk Benedict did this show, or excuse me, movie, 
the A Team was also possibly the hottest TV show on television. It, it was still on the air too, so it wasn't like this old show. You could say, argue, say, okay, Battlestar Galactica was off the air for you know six years or so, but I mean, you still had A Team was still running, it was still very popular. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so Roddy Piper, everybody knows him from professional wrestling, but uh, acting wise, he's done a lot of things. They Live, I'd say, is probably his most famous role. And Hell Comes to Frog Towns, two episodes in a row. I mentioned Hell Comes to Frog Town, and we have to get Nayar to watch this film, right? I mean, he's missing <laughs> out. He's, this he's is gonna like, it is. I mean, it's a great film. He's gonna uh, like the sex scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, but he's also done other TV appearances. Roddy Piper. He was in Superboy television series, RoboCop, uh, the Highlander television series too, actually, and yep. everything's done in Philadelphia. Uh, another wrestling great, Captain Lou Albano as Lou Murano. <laughs> uh, famous wrestling manager, one of the most famous wrestling managers of the 80s. What do you have, 16 tag belts, uh, right? Uh, something yeah, along those believe, lines, right? Something that like, he managed 16 he, championships. He played himself in this movie, basically. Yes, well, yeah. They, they just said, be yourself, and he said, okay. They just changed the yeah. name. Right? Yeah. Uh, Acting-wise, I would say, and he's another guy in pop culture. He was huge because he was Cindy Lauper's father in her music video, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yep. If you remember, there was a whole rock and wrestling connection. What was it? Uh, War to Settle the Score on MTV. Uh, and what else did he do? Oh, Super Mario Brothers. He was Mario in the television yeah. series later on. So mm-hmm. he, I mean, he was very, very well known in the 80s. Barry Gordon was Sheldon Brockmeister. <laughs> he was a regular in Archie Bunker's place. Uh, yes, actually. he was. Wasn't he, did he work in the bar? Or yeah, uh, oh, well, he was Gary okay. Rabanowitz. Okay, uh, was his character, and his most notable gig, I'd say, for a lot of people that would know him is the voice. Because I'm watching it, his voice is familiar, not really his face. He was a voice of Donatello and Bebop for the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. All right, and this guy, I'm sure you probably know Charles Nelson Riley as uh, Vic Carson. Uh, yeah, he's legendary. He's a, yeah, he was just like this TV personality. Uh, he mm-hmm. was on the was it the the Match Game? Yes, yes. And uh, this very odd television series, Lidsville. Did you ever see that, Rick? It sounds Sid Marty familiar. Croft show. Yeah, it had Butch yeah. Patrick in it too. Very very strange show. Yeah. Uh, this is another little person that was another one of those guys. He's very, very well known if you grew up at that time period. Billy Barty as Tim McCluskey. And I know you're laughing because he I is have, hysterical in this film. I mean, he's I just, think he's literally with the best character in the movie. Uh, uh, he, oh, yeah. We'll get into some of him, his, his yeah. lines a little bit later. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's probably the most famous little person in like probably the 70s and 80s. He was in Under the Rainbow. Uh, did you ever see Night Patrol, Rick? Did you it ever hear familiar. that film? Yeah, we have to familiar. watch this one day. It is hysterical. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. He farts constantly in there. <laughs> uh, he was in Masters of the Universe, Willow, and UHF. John Aston has a you know a cameo as Scotty. Everybody knows him from the Adams Family, Batman, and Night Court. And they were talking for uh, so Sam Fatu is Tom Tonga, correct? Correct. Yep. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about his wrestling career? Well, he's uh, basically part of the uh, Anawai family, which is, you know, obviously cousins of The Rock, uh, Rocky Johnson, uh, current 
superstar Roman Reigns. He's uh, definitely part of that. Uh, he was quite popular at this time period, and I think this is also he wasn't in WWF for that much longer after there. I think he went down to uh, Texas shortly after Russell you know, joined the Samoan SWAT team, I believe. Okay. Um, there's also uh, go ahead. So, and he was also for films. If you've seen Highlander, there's a wrestling segment in there. He was in that segment with uh, the High Flyers against the Freebirds. Didn't put that together. You're right. Yep. And so John, and he was also uh, for tag team. He was in the Islanders also. Correct. Yes. Uh, yes. So yep. another famous thing from the WWF. John was it Fuji Fujioka as Mr. Kim uh, did mostly television appearances. Uh, American Ninja for films, Martial Law, Mortal Kombat is in Pearl Harbor, and Afa Anawahi uh, and Sika Anawahi. They're like you said. Uh, so Sika, he's the father, correct? Of Roman Reigns, I believe. Yes. Yep. And uh, they they were the Wild Samoans, former WWF World Tag Team Champions. Yeah, so they were big at the time. Their their career was like ending during this time, like, right? It was pretty much like almost like full time. It, it seemed like it was kind of like they were like uh, uh, they were not they were no longer a tag team. I believe Afa lingered for uh, up until about 1988 in WWE uh, WWF. Uh, you know, basically as an enhancement talent. Uh, you know. I have a story. If you want to hear a quick story about uh, the Wild sure. Bones that Nayar uh, had, so we were children. We went to New Haven Coliseum to see wrestling. I was afraid to do this, especially because I thought everything in wrestling was legit back then. And he yeah. snuck backstage to meet the wrestlers. I'm not doing. It. I'm like afraid, like King Kong Bundy is going to kill me if he sees me or something. <laughs> so he goes back there and he comes out and he actually got the program, the little insert with the card. The, the match listing signed he, and he said Bundy was really nice he said Big John Stubb was a prick <laughs> uh, and he said he thought it was disgusting he went to the bathroom to look around like he's looking for people and sees in the bathroom the wild Samoans were walking around barefoot in the bathroom he thought that was uh, disgusting because people are saying in yeah so that I just figured you'd, get, you'd appreciate that story everyone listening would get a kick out of that Okay, so moving on. Uh, Kelly Martin as Missy Roberts. I had no idea when watching this who this was. Did you research to see who she was by any chance? Uh, slightly. I don't remember offhand. Okay, um, if you ever watched she... Life Goes On, the girl, yes. Becca, that's yep. the girl from Life Goes On, which I had no idea that was her as a little kid. She looks a little okay. different. I'm so used to seeing her with glasses, I think. That's the reason why. I believe that she also said that this movie, uh, she was just in some major flop of a movie, was her first role, referring oh, to okay. Bobby. <laughs> so, okay. I read that. Hey. That's great. Uh, also, another well-known wrestler, Sione. How do you pronounce his name? Balai? Uh, yeah, something. exactly. Yeah, something. Now, he's uh, Axe of the Cannibals, uh, best known as the, Barbar the Barbarian of the Powers of Pain, and then later the Faces of Fear. My yep. question to you is, did Axe of Demolition, Bill Eady, steal the name Axe from him? That's what I would, I'd like to know. Because he stole the Road you know, Warriors gimmick. Did he steal this name, too? <laughs> well, the funny part about that is uh, Demolition did debut shortly after, within a few months. Because this movie, I think, came out in 1987, if I remember correctly. It was filmed in 86, came out in 87. And Demolition debuted towards the middle to the end of 87. So it's very possible. 
Who knows, Very. right? And then Tom Cassett as Hammer the Cannibals. We know him as T. Joe Khan as a wrestler. Yep, he uh, made a made a name for himself, uh, basically as a tough foreigner, T. Joe Khan, uh, <laughs> in the Mid Atlantic and the Jim Crockett promotions. Uh, that's I do remember much- the AWA also. I do remember yes, him in there correct. at one point. Yeah, I forgot but, yeah. about that. Yep. But yeah, he's like this big, intimidating-looking guy. Uh, and then we also see later on, Classy Freddy Blassie has a cameo in there. He's a legendary wrestler and uh, wrestling manager. He's also on the Dick Van Dyke Show. And Rick and I love this uh, film, Breakfast with Blassie. It's one of the best. <laughs> uh, Ric Flair, uh, he's famous for being the greatest wrestler of all time. Hands down. And then Bruno San Martino, uh, longest running or right? I mean, WWF champion. Yeah, two times, uh, fifteen years combined. I think his first title reign was something like seven, and then his last was I think either three or four. Yeah, or so he something, was something to that yeah. effect. Yeah, yeah, but he was definitely in the WWF the biggest star before Hogan. He was hands down Absolutely. the biggest name. Sold um, out the Garden uh, more times than oh, anybody. Yeah. She got on Al Casey. Uh, we love him in the AWA mm-hmm. and also in WF as General Adnan. Another yeah. guy, yeah. Alexis Smirnoff. He's one of those guys I know the name, but I really never saw much of him. I've just heard his name numerous times. You know, I uh, I was a little confused as because uh, he looked. I thought it was one of the the Vashans at first, actually. When uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw it. Then I had to look it up, but I do remember Alexis Smirnoff in the uh, you know the NWA. He didn't do much. Uh, I believe he did do some AWA uh, appearances as well. Uh, probably early to mid eighties. You know, mm-hmm. uh, heel Russians were a huge thing in the nineteen eighties. Oh yeah, it was definitely it was out of control how many Russians there were. Yeah. How do, how would you describe this film? Like, what's like the basic premise? I mean, do can you put in the words? It's very hard to describe. <laughs> it's just, uh, of course, professional wrestling at the time was never looked at serious. So, anytime there was a movie made, it was always made in comedic fashion, or it was just really terrible. Uh, this is just, it's 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 got a cult following, so to say. Actually, you know, I ever know that watch it and like it or you and I. <laughs> so if that says anything, um, it's just really off the wall, goofy. And it's uh, some yeah. of the lines are just extremely, extremely funny. Yeah, I love so, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, so the premise is basically of this Dirk Benedict, this Harry Smilak, who is a music manager who's having financial issues. And then he, somehow becomes he stumbles upon becoming a wrestling manager and then just hilarity ensues right i mean it's the best way to describe this film it's just pure chaos he's like like you said uh, a music manager uh, or a promoter whatever concert promoter he's just off the kind of like um he comes off as one of those typical 80s slimeball managers and movies like everything is just so over the top the huge cigars the business cards the way he you know he, he always shows somebody uh repossessing his car multiple yeah times yeah yeah he has movie. yeah he has this ferrari right yeah. that he's driving around but he really can't afford the ferrari so he's just for right just for just for looks right for this whole <laughs> just so people actually believe that he's this big time promoter but he's really not yeah yep all right so i'm gonna ask you 
what do you like? I'll ask you for one thing. So what do you like? Some of the things you like, I'll let you go through your list and then I'll go through my list. Sound good? And we can just kind of talk about each thing. What do I like about the movie? It's really just, like I said, off the wall. Some of the jokes you would not be able to get away with today. There's so many lines in there. And maybe I didn't realize it because it's been a while since I watched it. But there's some colorful, I guess, uh, I'm not, not not so worried about the colorful language. But there's derogatory terms or uh, you know, homosexuals that I guess I didn't realize were there when I was a kid. Uh, it, it was. I think it was so prevalent back then. It was just, you yeah. didn't really think about it. But I know this wasn't done in a mean-spirited way because a yeah. particular segment you're talking about was a – what was the name? There's a television show on there, like a wrestling Ring segment. Talker. Ring, Ring talk. talk. You're right. Yep. Now, the host of that is uh, – I'm sorry. What's his name? The uh, uh, It was Vic Carson. Vic uh, Carson. Okay. Yeah. So now, in real life, that actor is gay. Mm-hmm. So you have Billy Barty as Tim McCluskey making all these derogatory terms, but you know it's in jest because the actor is gay. So he's obviously right. not offended. Right. But it was definitely done, like I said, not mean-spirited, but it was definitely supposed to be done in a humorous way. Uh, for real, like I mentioned before, the cast. I think that the cast is really, really, at the time, it's very well-known to mainstream audience. So that's what mm-hmm. I thought was really... For the most part, I thought that was really good. Uh, I like the fact that they had this promoter, Lou Morano. Like, <laughs> they show that he's like a promoter controlling the territory, and then Harry had to book uh, these basically these wrestling outlaw mud shows. So I kind of like that they had that in the film. So it's realistic at the time. Do you agree? Very realistic as to what professional wrestling was. There was basically, you know, uh, what do you call it? The, the national wrestling Alliance, which ran territories. Everybody had their own territory. And if you stepped over into their territory, you know, these, sometimes these, uh, promoters would stack up their shows with all the, you know, their biggest men so that you'd get nobody at your shows. And, uh, if you were a promoter coming into another area, you'd be considered like, you know, an independent today. It was, you know, a mud show, an outlaw mud show. A lot of people didn't get away with it back then. Um, In the eighties, it changed when Vince started taking over, buying out territories or invading territories. And he had the money. He had the, uh, you know, television exposure he would go there and buy people's tv time or straight from the television uh stations and basically the stations would kick the other guys off and it's basically uh kind of i guess i didn't realize it at the time that's pretty much how it was in this movie and it's pretty much real life as, as yeah. how it actually went yeah no i mean we we're young at the time we had no idea what behind the scenes yeah. how things were like i know right. when it shows how Harry and he has he's also the band uh, he has a band there called Kick not Kicks Kick. not the band Kick so just Kick and he promotes that band and it also has the wrestling going on so he's a rock and wrestling he promotes that on his own but he can't book at the big arena so he has to try and book these together since rock and wrestling was huge in 1986 right so he has to mm-hmm. go and books his own shows these smaller uh, arenas but it becomes big and then he later on gets the big event which is almost like their wrestlemania later on right so which is you know 
realistic to a sense. I don't know how big you're going to start off small going to a big arena like that and as quick. I mean, but uh, at least the, the the smaller shows was realistic in that sense because you're not getting booked in Madison Square Garden just because you want to. Even if you had the money, it just wasn't going to happen. Right. That didn't happen until uh, just 2016, I think, or 2000 was it two, 2018. Was New Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Japan and Ring of Honor did a combined show, and that was the first time in over 50 years that somebody other than uh, WWF or WWE was in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Anything else in particular that you like about it? Tony Roberts. I mean, okay, Tony Roberts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Sonny> Roberts. <laughs> uh, the this is another from the wrestling. Okay, I'll let you go. What were you going to say about Tony Roberts, Rick? I, I just don't think that in any way, shape, or form, or any way in hell that Dirk Benedict would be able to get a lady like Tony Roberts. I'm just saying that. Really, you don't think the ladies liked uh, Dirk? No, Benedict? he's okay. a goofball. <laughs> right. This I liked from the wrestling perspective. Now. The use of the chains in a tag match with mm-hmm. Roddy Piper, because Roddy Piper is very experienced in using the chains because he had legendary dog collar matches with Greg Valentine, right? Yep. The first star game. So he used that in the film, which I thought it was good. Instead of just having generic wrestling matches, he used the chains in the match. Right. So that I, I thought was, was good. It, was, it wasn't like a typical wrestling movie. Now, what things, is there anything that you didn't like about the film? I can't really say I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of funny in a way, but at the same time, it was the 1980s. They can get away with this. Um, You know, as how I stand today and how the world is, there's so many, uh, I guess it was kind of, uh, it was racial overtones in a way when uh, every time they would make fun of, uh, was it Mr. Kim's accent uh, when he comes in? looking for his corrections and not his collections, you know? Um, But at the same time, the delivery in that was just, there was something else about Dirk Benedict's delivery in the trying to understand what he was saying. Yes. Oh, and I forgot to mention. So the positive things are called wins and now these are called the losses. Okay, Rick, I'm trying to do the wrestling angle. (laughs) trying to. So, and that when you mentioned that about the, the scenes where he comes with the wild Samoans, Mr. Kim, yeah. And then Harry Smilek is always getting his Asian heritage incorrect. He'll say something. is <laughs> yeah. like, I'm Korean. He'll say something that's Japanese. So I'll tell you the losses. Things that I wish were done a little differently. Okay. This is the wrestling fan of me. When I found out, when I first saw this, I was confused. When I saw the ending, like I told you, whenever this was in the late 80s. Because Piper and the Tonga Kid were teaming up as a tag team. I was really confused because Piper, and I think it was 84, he had the, the feud with Jimmy Snook where he hit him in the head with a coconut. Mm-hmm. And the Tonga Kid is who he was at the time, um, Tom Tonga. And he claimed to be Jimmy Snuka's cousin, and he was actually right. on a Piper's Pit, I remember. So I'm like, wait a minute, why are these guys teaming up? So if you're a wrestling fan, uh, that kind of took me out of this. So maybe I'm overthinking this, Rick. Am I overthinking this? I got a piece of trivia for you. Okay. You ready? 
Did you know that when he was there, he actually was using when Snuka left after all the fiasco with the supposed murder of his girlfriend at the time, that Tom Tonga was using the name Superfly oh, while okay. he was in there. And I will tell you that he got booed out of the arena. When oh, he came yeah, I mean, you they, can't. Yeah, Snuka was so huge at the time, you can't even pretend to be of, him. I mean, at the time, he was one of the most famous, but they were trying to replace him. And they yeah, used, you can't uh, do that. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's funny. So, but interestingly enough, after this was released, uh, Piper did become the babyface because he used a heel actually when this was filmed, mm-hmm. and then the Tonga Kid be- became the heel. Yep. Right. I mean, so that's what I, I think is very interesting. But the other thing uh, for the losses, Piper is one of the greatest promos of all time. And he didn't have anything like a Piper's Pit segment or he wasn't involved in the ring talk. It was just a manager. So that's like a lost opportunity, in my opinion. His dialogue wasn't really that fantastic in this movie. No. Either. He was just no. a plain guy and you knew he could talk. He just kind of talked normal. Like yeah, just so, yeah. Yeah. So and, and I know uh, when Piper was on They Live. John Carpenter asked him, you know, you have any good lines or anything like that? And he pulled out his notebook of all the things he would say in wrestling promos. So that's why it's yeah. kind of like a lost opportunity. Yeah. This could have been a great, like, uh, you know, a great segment for this movie, I think. Now, the other, my other issue I could say. So we have that rock and wrestling event shown. Like I said, it was like a WrestleMania type event. Mm-hmm. The great thing is you see Ric Flair and Freddie Blassie. Adnan and Bruno, but that's it. There's a cameo. They're not really involved. So that was uh, like a tease. I thought one of the things that confused me when I was watching this as a kid was that Piper and uh, Tonga kid were actually in the WWF at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Piper would retire in 87 for a brief period for probably what, two years, maybe three years. Yeah. Do you realize that they're in this movie, and here comes Ric Flair, who was the NWA champion at the time. There was, uh, you know, she got on Al Casey, who was wrestling for the AWA. So, and then the only other WWF guys were uh, Bruno, uh, right? So Bruno, Bruno was and, he's still working for them. He was actually yep. wrestling still in '86, still. Yeah. Yep. And then he, uh, I think he uh, left there in '88. He was a commentator from '87 to '88, still. And then uh, Fred Blassie. So, and obviously there was the Barbarian and Tijuana Khan. So there's a bunch of crossover with the three largest wrestling organizations at the time. It is. And it's really kind of amazing weird. when you think about yeah. it. You and know, it's the it's- weird, the, the thing that's amazing about it is that Vince allowed that because a lot of times he would not acknowledge any other wrestling company outside True. of his own. The nobody exists if you weren't in the WWF. Yeah. So that was definitely, definitely uh something you wouldn't expect from Vince to allow this. Mm-hmm. Now, is there any quotes in particular like from this film, Rick? Not really. I don't think there's any quotes. I think, you know, the, uh, the ring talk segments were the, uh, you, you were can't just, really were... repeat those. Uh, some yeah, of the no, lines I don't wanna... there, uh, no, watch the uh, movie and Tubi if you want to hear, uh, the Tim McCluskey character, the, the thing that he's, he's the best character in, in the movie. That's that's all I gotta say. He's the best character in the movie. He's only in there for probably what four or five scenes, but his scenes are really the best in the movie. <laughs> Captain Lou like just says he must like make up these lines. There's one 
a point he says uh, to somebody like, McMillan told me some baby free creep showed up. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he was great. He could do stuff like that on the fly and not be, you know, and not fuck it up. And I like that there was like this Easter egg too. I don't know if you caught this. Releases. Who'd you sign with? Dave Wolf? Jimmy the Weasel? Do you know who Dave Wolf is? Dave Wolf was Cindy Lauper's manager at the time in the eighties. So when that name was brought up, I didn't. I don't think I realized it in nineteen eighty seven because, I mean, I knew who he was because of the the segments in WWF TV, but it must not have registered. But when I heard it uh, the other day when I was rewatching rewatching it for preparation for this, I was really shocked. I, I'm just it was like a holy shit moment. <laughs> uh, and then uh, when you have. Uh... <laughs> Harry gets out of his Ferrari at one point and woman and this woman's like jogging by and she goes, Nice car. Then she's walking away and Harry goes, Nice ass. <laughs> so this just shows you with just like this like sleazy character that he is. Yeah. Right? It was just, just yeah. this is eighties uh comedy, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things is that uh, that my favorite was that he booked Frank and Barbara and and all these. Uh, oh, supposedly... oh, yes, 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 yeah. which is. Yes, what does he say uh, for this fundraiser? Early, right, right. I, I, he booked those names. Uh, who did he say? Julio, yeah, Frank, Barbara. <laughs> so you hear these names, and at the time, someone now might watch it. They're young. Like who's he talking about? Julio Iglesias, Barbara Streisand, right? Uh, so Frank Sinatra. So that's who they think those people are, which is which is hysterical. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing, uh, Captain Lou said to Harry. I got a canary with a brain bigger than yours. <laughs> and one thing we can repeat with Tim McCluskey, you don't need music to wrestle. You need balls, big ones. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, segments or a lot of uh, reference to the wrestlers of the day, not being as tough as they were in the past. And uh, mm -hmm. that discussion still goes on today though. I mean, oh, you know, definitely. In, in reality, yeah. yeah. These guys uh, are not tough like the wrestlers of the day. So, uh, now, I guess this it happens was, a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every generation's going to say uh, the current generation sucks, right? It's just always yeah. going to – the previous one will say that. Now, this was filmed in San Bernardino, California. Now, the music was just so 80s. I mean, oh, if, if you want to know, like, if you want to time capsule the 80s, watch this movie and, and listen to the music because it, it's just – some of it's so ridiculous. It's the American way. Yeah, that that's one of the songs. Yeah. Uh, it's written by David Halloran. Uh, I like the song that the movie starts with and ends with, My Body Keeps Changing My Mind. Body, body, body. It's hysterical. And another one, uh, Push, uh, that was performed by Kick. Do you remember that song? Push, push. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a terrible song, but it's it's... It, How did these guys get signed? That's all I got to say. <laughs> okay. So now here are some things about Body Slam. Uh, you might not know because you're probably like me thinking, Rick, how did this movie not get big? How did this not, you know, did I miss this in the theaters? Like, you know, you have the 18, like we said, it was the biggest show, one of the biggest shows with Dirk Benedict. You have Roddy Piper, one of the biggest wrestlers. How did this not, you know, become such a huge film? So there's an interview with Dirk Benedict, and he was interviewed about Body Slam. And he said, you know, before this film, most people recognize him from the A-Team in Battlestar Galactica. 
then when this uh, he said it, was, it wasn't released in theaters it wasn't mm-hmm. definitely wasn't he said and he was shocked how people would actually say to him hey smilak when he's walking down the street <laughs> so he knew that people liked this film and he was amazed at how much exposure it had not being in the theaters now he said orion pictures made by slam Hoosiers and Platoon to be released the same year in the theaters was their plan. And he said this was going to be for Orion, their big popcorn summer big release. But the reason why it wasn't released in the theaters, there was a lawsuit because Dirk Bendick and Hal Needham rewrote the script and sometimes on the spot. So there was legal issues with that. So the producers wanted to take the film back and re-edit it. And because there's all these issues, it stayed in a vault until the lawsuit was settled. So that's the real reason why we never saw this. It was going to be promoted bigger. It was going to be in the theaters. So gotcha. that's that's the reasoning behind it. Uh, Benedict said he got in a fistfight with one of the producers because he was giving Hal Needham a hard time about rewriting it. I'd love to know what this original script was like. Was yeah, it really it that have, bad? Have, yeah. Jeez. Uh, I mean, this is... I mean, not... Hate to call this movie bad, but it's bad. But it's it's entertaining. It's entertaining. Yes, yeah. I'd love to see that. Uh, I also read that um, Dirk Benedict had no idea that uh, professional wrestling was worked. That it was a uh, I, I'd hate to call it fake, but uh, but uh, you know he he did not know that it was fake until he was sitting there talking to Roddy Piper. Uh, around this time, even though, you know, WWF uh, stars had been on the A-team and they had worked together. Piper had been on the A-team and Hogan had that uh, he did not know in, in, until working with Piper during the filming of this movie. Now, is crazy. Th- it is that there's a certain thing he said that happened. He said when they're they're filming that last scene, you know, like at, at that WrestleMania type event. He said that they keep reshooting it, and then the crowd there, the live crowd, was kind of like heckling them, saying uh, they're not really hitting each other because they keep reshooting it. So you're doing the same, yeah. you know, moves constantly. And then Dirk Benedict said, all of a sudden, this fight broke out with Roddy Piper and the Barbarian. They're both bleeding, and then the crowd just like stopped. They're like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" He said they're really like beating the shit out of each other. Then later on, he saw Piper and said, you know, you okay, you know, and then Piper said, he goes, now he'll tell everybody. Dirk Bannock said, I'll tell everyone now. He goes, but back then I just shut my mouth and kept this quiet. He goes, no, we even really beat the crap out of each other. We just did that. We saw that we're losing the crowd. They were saying it's fake. So we had to do something to make them know that this isn't fake. So that's why we really were working stiff. Wow. So he's like, oh, I didn't. So he, he said, he was tricked, and also Hal Needham, who's a stuntman, he goes, they both thought they really were killing each other at, at one awesome. point. So he yep. said that's how good they were, that they fooled them and the entire crowd. And that was the whole reason, just because the crowd was heckling them, because we had to make them believe again. So that's why we did that. Wow. So I, I thought that was amazing. And he said, uh, Dirk said, Piper was like the nicest guy in the world. And for a gift, he said he brought him a shotgun. <laughs> so he gave him a shotgun as a gift he brought wow. uh, on the set to give him. Now, Rick. Yeah. I, I know you, you love this movie, so I'm going to ask you how you're going to rate Body Slam. So thumbs up. You know, it's excellent. Thumbs 
you know, way down is excrement, you know, in the middle, up and down. What, what do you give body slam? I have to give it a thumbs in the middle, to be honest with you. I'm not going to say this is not like, uh, I know this is a bad movie to begin with, but gone with the wind or something to that effect. You know what I mean? Uh, it's basically, this is like watching an Ed Wood movie or something to that effect. You know what I mean? It's, uh, but it's enjoyable. And like you said, it's entertaining. There's, there's good lines in there that are hilarious. Uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's a product of the eighties. There's, you know, there's a lot of bad movies in the eighties and, and this is one of them, but it, it's great and entertaining and people could actually sit through it and not just uh, shut it off. You know, it's still on streaming devices. So it's, it's gotta be something, you know? Okay. Now I'm actually surprised. I thought you were going to say thumbs up for sure. Not thumbs away, but <laughs> thumbs up at least. I'm yeah. actually, I wrote down thumbs in the middle, but pointing up. So it's going yeah. more up than down. So because yeah. it's not great, but it is funny. And it is, yeah. if you grew up in this time period, when you see these actors, you just, I don't know, you just crack up at some of the stuff. And you're just kind of amazed, like you said, with the whole wrestling segment. It's very, very amazing to have Piper, Ric Flair, Bruno, Shigadnan, yeah. all working together at the same time, all working for different promotions. So that really, in that sense, is, is something you're not going to really see, you know, that often. Right. So uh, they, they were cashing in the popularity of the whole rock and wrestling boom because it was huge. Like we talked about, it was on MTV. There was actually the cartoon Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Uh, there was funny moments in there, but yeah, it, if you want a time capsule of what it was like in the eighties, you know, don't, don't watch Top Gun. That's just some garbage. That's that's just mainstream crap. Yeah, exactly. Watch, watch. If you want to see what the eighties is like, this is something you watch. Do you agree, Rick? Absolutely. This is the perfect example of an eighties movie. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so now. Rick, you want to tell everyone, like I said, the SummerSlam edition, you're going to be covering SummerSlam, and then you're also going to be covering Ric Flair's last match, correct? Correct. We are covering that. Uh, we're not doing it on, um, you know, uh, I'm not going live directly after SummerSlam. I'm going to be in an indie show. So, But we are covering SummerSlam, uh, I believe Monday or Tuesday. We'll also be talking uh, uh, Ric Flair's last match. I believe you're coming on with me as well. Is it? Yo, yes, I yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm... I, I'm excited. I mean, Rick and I have both seen Ric Flair wrestle together live. If yeah. you remember that, uh, with my father, uh, and he was getting yeah. annoyed because I was heckling everyone, <laughs> and he was getting annoyed with me. I think it was Ric Flair versus Bret Hart, if I'm not mistaken. Hartford. Yeah, if you if you remember, it was a marathon match, or, okay. or they call them an Iron Man match now, which was a 60 minute match. Whoever gets the most pins in that 60 minutes. The funny part about that is. It's like you can't find information on it. So I don't know how many they did during their loop, but uh, it's got to be one of my favorite matches of all time. Brett was a fantastic wrestler. Rick is a, a, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. So you put those two together. Yeah, uh, we've seen them quite a few times live at, uh, together, I believe. Um, and it's just amazing. You know, he was one of the greatest of all time. So he's coming out of retirement for one night. And I know it's probably going to be wretched, but... Well, it's I'm a tag very, match, so he's not yeah. going to be in the ring because Rick does yeah. have a pacemaker. So yeah, I'm uh, scared for him. Yeah. So I mean, the match you and I were talking about happened 29 years ago, right? So I mean, yeah. so this is how old he is. He's in his 70s, but I mean, we have to watch it. I mean, we're <laughs> we're, we're crazy fans, so we have to see this. Yeah. 
once I heard that it was happening, I became very intrigued, though I was scared for him. You know, I am scared for him because I don't want him to die in the ring. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to go out there and maybe do 10 minutes at the most uh, in the ring. He promises to bleed. So we'll see how this goes. Yeah, his son-in-law is his tag partner. And once I heard it was a tag match, I'm like, okay, he gets time to breathe. So it, it's, yeah. it should be okay. He, he's working with some safe people. So I, I think everything's going to be good. Jay Lethal's great. Yeah. So um, Jeff yeah, is mean, professional. So it's it's it should be it should be really good. I think overall, as long as they like I said, don't keep don't don't do one of your uh, <laughs> those hour long matches like you did with uh, Ricky Steamboat. Don't don't do that. No, don't do that. You'll definitely you know <laughs> my my thing is they they're, they're going to find them dead uh, in the middle of the ring. Um, and don't forget the the undercard is a phenomenal show. It's a bunch of different organizations getting together. It is a uh, Semi promoted by the Crockett's as because they never really had a uh, going away event or, or something to that effect. So um, it's it's kind of in tribute to the late great Jim Crockett and Jim Crockett promotions. So it's going to be uh, I have a feeling it's going to be an amazing event. There's a lot of great matches on the show. So if you're a wrestling fan, I'd say go buy it uh, on fight.tv. It's going to be a really good time. Well, so tell everyone where to find you, Rick. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It is at the Rick Del Santo. You can find me on Facebook under the uh, PWZ Podcast, uh, Instagram, PWZ Network, and we are also on TikTok where you can see clips of our shows. And um, you know, it's fun. So just give us a like, subscribe, follow, and uh, share us all over the place. Yes, definitely. I can't wait to come on and talk to you about uh, Ric Flair's last match and the whole pay per view. It's it's going to be a great time. FTR, right? going to be on oh, there greatest tag so, team right now yeah. so it, it's going to be fun so all right thank you everyone and try and enjoy the daylight thank you for listening if you enjoy shocking things and want to support the show please rate review and subscribe on spotify apple radio or wherever you listen to this podcast sharing the episodes you enjoy on social media also helps to see more information pertaining to each episode, please go to our social media and interact with us. On Instagram, it's at shocking.things.podcast. On Twitter, at thingsshocking. And on Facebook, at shockingthingspodcast. Or go to anchor.fm slash shockingthings for the main hub with the links to everything. Until next time, try and enjoy the daylight.